0: Welcome to Riding the Big Wheel. I'm your host, Michelle Seeger, and today we are continuing our conversation with Bailey Beacon, President and Founder of Validated Learnings, an events management company that connects people to advanced brands, businesses, partnerships, and careers. As part of our work, Bailey's company hosts the largest events and conferences across the United States supporting the senior living industry. Today, we'll get into what she sees as the biggest challenges and opportunities within the senior living community and the role that we can all play to improve the quality of life for our senior community. We'll also discuss how you can find your position in the workplace, when it's time to make a change, and so much more. If you haven't listened to part one of this podcast, I encourage you to do so. Thank you for tuning in, and wherever you may be, may this podcast inspire you in your own personal and professional journey of life. Bringing life to a vision
1: Sharing a story Everyone listens there are events that are very poorly run.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, like any other industry, you know, we have, um, I don't want to say charlatans, but people who who are not as customer centric. Some are really customer centric and they do everything to make sure that everybody gets what they need and some are not. And so you also have to do a great, I think, again, research. You have to really to de- yeah. determine whether there's enough there to make it worth your while or your company's while. So
0: that's what okay. I would say. So you're putting the onus on the people which i think is a really strong thing to do to understand the event the quality of the event um and then how that fits into the company's strategy and their role that makes sense and the value Um,
1: you know it's a value value prop yeah
0: and i also like that you mentioned having a game plan i'm like you there are events that i do not go to i just don't industry events because i that when I think about the value I want to get out of them or what my game plan is if I don't believe it can be achieved. i'm out right if it's whatever that might look like, so I agree with you on that too, the other thing that we do is we try to understand people that are going to those events and connect with them before, if we can. Um, just to just to make a connection and say hey I would love to meet you if that's one of your goals to expand your network. So
1: um, absolutely. Again, all of this goes into, I know um, everything is extra work, right? Yeah. Nothing is easy. You say, oh, this is going to be easy. I'm going to contact 30 people. So, you know, I'm not, I may, and I'll, maybe I'll get five appointments, right? To do that, you're going to write the email. It's going to be wrong. It's going to have a typo. Somebody's going to have to check. Like nothing is easy. That right. is would just be my mantra on my grave is nothing that feels <laughs> like it's going to be easy is easy. It's not necessarily the hardest thing, but it's never as easy as, as a, you know, oh, we rolling off a log. Nothing's rolling off a log. But that that level of detail and planning, and I am not a detail person. I think I have ADD. I really like, I split from flower to flower, but I have forced myself to, over the years to focus on what really makes a difference. And it's what you're saying is I have to evaluate, is it, you know, am I going to get enough? This could be great. And I love going there or I, but I look at the customer base and I'm like, boy, if I put together a plan for this, the best I could hope for is X and I'm spending Y, not money, but time. That is something that I think when people think about, oh, they cut me from doing that, the company time. That's something I'm very, uh, when I'm selling to p- attendees, yeah. I always have something about how, how expensive their time is for them and their organization. I mean, sales and marketing people, that's the show that I produce for for that level of executive. They never have time. Their hair is always on fire. So how do I make it valuable enough where three days out of the office? Yeah. And, you know, who's going to walk the dog and how are the kids going to get to school. And I mean, there are so many behind the world, the, you know, behind what I can see decisions. I, and I have to respect that, you know, that it's a process for people. So,
0: so now that's is huge. Yeah. So I want to flip it around and talk about speakers for a minute. So whether I am speaking at an event or whether I have a town hall meeting or even a small group of managers, I'll just, I'll make it easy for you. And I'll say, give me three things. And uh, you know, like three things that you think about what makes a great speaker. I mean, people say they're highly engaging. What does that mean? Right? Like if you would say there are three things that great speakers seem to always do, what would you say the, those are? Number one is make it about the audience.
1: Hmm. Never talk about yourself if you can avoid it. I, I mean, other than here's who I am, here's what I do to establish credibility. It's got to be you got to be really audience centric, um, and that doesn't mean just the information. It means uh, you know from the soul you are being of service to that audience, and they will feel it if it's true. Um, so that would be number one. Number two is Prepare. if uh, So we, as you know, at mm. SMASH have a, a facility where we Sherpa all our love speakers Because we know that you don't know about senior care necessarily, but what you do know about is your expert, your topic expert. If somebody isn't doing that for you in the conference and you're on a conveyor belt of here's your confirmation, here's your blah, 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 get with, on with that conference producer and force a call. Like say, look, can you just give me somebody? Can you be on that call? I just need an hour. To, to say here's what i'm talking about what's most relevant to to you in re- you know you're a retailer you're a small retailer tell me what your three biggest challenges are around your sales initiatives these days and try and ask the conference producer to try and find somebody who's aligned with what you do mm-hmm. and it will it, my, the company that bought my company last year had never actually attended and they sent, you know, boatloads of people. And one of the, uh, my boss now, um, who's, you know, very senior in the company said, um, why are all your, uh, sessions like keynotes? I've never seen anything like it. Wow. And Believe me, it's not me. I just know from years of doing this, the reason they're like keynotes is because keynotes always get that. Yeah. No matter what event, a keynote will get that hour conversation, and that is what makes a big difference. So that's number two, um, and number three. Um, it's a, a weird thing, but it's a physical thing. Um, and it's you know it's a physical thing, which is when you start, don't talk, stand at the podium, and let the room settle. You got to give yourself air and space. It will just flow better. And so and throughout, slow down. And I'm going to put in a fourth and then I'm done. If if because some cannot be interactive, they are, you know, teaching, teaching mm-hmm. things, they are whatever. Recent experience, you got to try and make it interactive on if you can on some level. Um, I had a recent experience, and again, I know you're editing this, so you may not want to include it, but I was asked to do the final keynote for a sales meeting for uh, one of our communities uh, or companies. And there are maybe two or 300 people there. And I was told it was going to 20 minute wrap up. So I come in day three, they said, come in day three, listen to the set, the, you know, the, the work breakouts and all that, and you'll see what we're talking about. And then Thursday, you can do that. And then Thursday night, you'll write, you know, you'll you'll prepare whatever, and then 20 minutes on Friday try to fly out of New York on I get delayed no sessions do I get to see or any brainstorming on Wednesday Thursday my phone breaks down and I had decided since it was only 20 minutes I didn't need my computer. I had no communication source at all I had to go get a new phone because you know I had a job to do as well as this and on Wednesday night when I got in I saw that I had an hour and I was following had an hour that I had to fill not 20 minutes <laughs> though because like 20 minutes I could do right I didn't need anything I, I needed. A PowerPoint or anything, right? I was following the person who wrote Grit. The book. Oh, and I was the final. So everyone was waiting to go home. I was in a blind, like, not, I wasn't even in a panic. I just, here's what I've learned first do the necessary, mm-hmm. then do the possible, and the impossible will take care of itself. Mm-hmm. That was St. Francis of Assisi. It was not Tony mm-hmm. Robbins. Okay. And I saw that one year when I was in the depths of despair. I so overwhelmed was the first year I started smash. And I saw that and I thought, okay, I can do the necessary. So the necessary was I went and grabbed when I saw that on Wednesday, on Thursday, what the little time I had, I grabbed everybody's notes. I didn't know what I was going to do with them, but I grabbed everyone's notes. Mm-hmm. And I sat down with the person who had invited me. She gave me her computer and I said, they had something they were going to do on Thursday, go on a boat ride. I was like, no boat ride. I'm staying in my You know, I (laughs) got to write a PowerPoint. And I thought, it, thought, it, thought, and I thought, you know, they were talking about operations and HR and sales and marketing, but, you know, basically the operations, senior housing and senior living is a big operational, that's, it's much more, that's where the heft is, right? HR and operations. So um, I don't know much about that. And I certainly didn't, because I wasn't in any of the brainstorming sessions. So I decided I would put everything through the customer lens, through the sales and marketing customer lens. Like how everything impacted ultimately, whether it would come or not. Because it was what I could, it was what I could do. It was what right. I do. Right. So then once I got to that, that was the necessary. I needed to figure out a way, right? To to get to be able to engage on some level why I was the person wrapping this up. Um, and then um I thought, okay, well, an hour, 45 minutes can be not enough time to actually have any kind of exercise, engagement exercise, but I've got to, I mean, these these guys are out the door. So I went to the owner who I know quite well the next day and I said, I'm spending $600 of your money and I gamified it. And I, so as I'm going through each one of these, uh, you know, parts of the, uh, operations and how it might impact the customer or the sale. Um, I, they had all come up with ideas in these brainstorming sessions. And I, I, tried to, um, I should have put it through chat GPT, I didn't have time, it was all handwritten. otherwise I would have done it, um, as to come up with the three big, biggest concepts, right, and I had them raise their hand, which one they thought would work the best, and then had them talk a little bit about it, I do my little spiel, then that, and I and I gave them index cards and dots, and I said, every time you raise your hand and ask the question, you put a dot, and the people who, we've got four prizes, $300, $200, whatever it looked like, right, and yeah. you're going to give it to Cindy at the end, and you're going to get money, so just you know put those dots on there and I'll tell you it was very very lively wow (laughs) and it turned out and no one left everybody stayed and the owner you know uh, and as I said she's a friend and I was nervous for that I wasn't getting paid or anything you know like I I wanted to I wanted to do well and I wanted her to be proud and so it turned out fine but like Wow. It wasn't because I knew so much about, it was because of these little concepts, right? Of engagement, of, you know, right. speaking from the heart. I didn't need to know everything about operations. I didn't need to know any of that. I needed to know from my from my topic, from my expertise, yeah. how it might apply to them. And oh, and you
0: came up with a, oh, sorry. Did I interrupt? No, that? I was
1: just going to say, and so when I asked the owner I, or uh, Lynn, I said, just, I'm going to spend your money. And I said, but I'm, the only thing I'm going to concentrate is you guys making more money. She yeah. was like, I'm in.
0: That's great. That's great. And you gave a really great tip for when you are the last speaker, the last day of a conference. Oh, my gosh. Nobody wants that spot.
1: Nope. And yet, and yet, you know, it can be you are going to have less people, you know, that's just going to happen. But it doesn't mean you're going to have less engaged people. Yes. If they're staying and they're there and you're there to be of service to them, it's going to be a great session. Yep. Last year we have a area of senior living called post acute which is when somebody's okay. sort of skilled nursing or or it's, it's I call it crossing the medicare line, right? There's private pay all the way up to that and then once you are hospitalized and need anything after that that's you know medicare pays. And it's a it's a smaller part of the industry. Uh they don't do a lot of marketing. They do sales. It's a, a business to business, it's uh referral selling. And um, you know, we've grown it over the years, but it's, I would say, at max, about a third of our uh, people. And so it's never a big audience. And last year we had um, a fantastic session, and it had four people in the room. And let me tell you, three of them were board members. And mm-hmm. the speaker thought it was fabulous wow oh. because it was it was so private like it, it, they ended yeah. up running with it you know that it was private it was like four people the, and the people who participated yep. were not like oh there was no one else and they were like oh my god that was just the best so keeping an open mind and saying uh, my what i think is going to be successful 70 people in the room and blah 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 and if it's not that i'm not you know um right. their little again one of those little mentor sayings that i've kept um all these years is if I lower my level of expectation to zero in all situations. And that doesn't mean um saying nothing's going to be any good or, you know, you know, I, I'm lowering my standards. What it means is if I can just get all of that expectation out of the way, mm-hmm. most of the time I'm elevated at the end. If I have an expectation great. higher than that and it doesn't meet it, I am disappointed. Mm-hmm. And there's no difference except mindset.
0: Yep i was just going to say there you are back to mindset okay now i want to shift gears and talk a little bit about uh an aging population and seniors in our community and if you remember the first um when i i talked to you about coming on the podcast i wanted you to talk as a senior living expert and then we really started talking about Everything that this podcast has been about, and decided to shift gears and and thank you very much because you have um, referred us over to an excellent expert in this field who will be talking to us. But that's the CEO, I, by the way. Yes, I know. That's I'm very excited. Who I spoke for yeah, Lynn. She's fantastic. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so that's who will be coming on our one of our future podcasts. So I'm very excited about that. Oh, that's great. Um. But I would be remiss not to talk to you about a few things. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's huge, you know. the The aging population, the demographic size of the aging population, is larger than ever as baby boomers are aging into that. That you know are getting older. Um, it's becoming the largest sector of our, or the largest portion of our demographic, shockingly, and. You know, I I wanted to ask you, I've seen some of your articles and posts and I really appreciate the perspective and the, the thinking that you bring over to social media, but what would you say would be one of your biggest concerns as you look around and think about, think ahead about the senior population in the United States?
1: Money. Money. It all comes down to money. And you could just everything flows from that Wow. affordable senior housing, you know, the majority of people who are becoming seniors in this country or are seniors from the baby boomers, right. uh, Took their social security at 62. So they have a lowest social security check. Mm -hmm. Um, Many of them, that's all they have. I want to say 35 to 45% have zero the remaining up to about 80 or 90 percent have250,000 dollars in the bank, which will last no time. Um, Medicaid does certain things, but it doesn't do other things. And housing is a housing and food is a big, hmm. big issue, right? You need both. like those are basic human core, you know. And uh, so two things are happening in that arena. One is we don't have enough affordable housing period, but certainly senior housing. Is, is they they've been working at this on this even middle class senior housing um, because senior housing is very it's private pay and it's very expensive um, and so uh, they can't they can't figure it out they can't make it work financially mm-hmm. and so you know it's been it's been on the boards for a long time the associations everyone's been working on financial it seems to be the elusive unicorn. So affordable housing, there is affordable senior housing in a lot of places, but it's not a lot and it's Mm -hmm. expensive because it's government driven and it's Mm -hmm. fine. And my God, I wish there were more. And, you know, but there's not. And I don't know what's going to happen. I literally and then memory care, which is huge, because as we are a population that's aging longer. You know, once you start aging, you know, the, the average lifespan is, and so cognitive decline, it doesn't have to be Alzheimer's. Cognitive decline happens. It can happen even at the level of being dangerous enough mm-hmm. where it's not a deadly disease like Alzheimer's, but that people forget to take their medication. They don't have family members around to help them, you know, and they're also Speaking of housing, there are rules about not being able to do mother-in-law apartments or people don't have enough room in their home, they've got four kids. Like it's it's not that people don't wanna take their parents in, it's not necessarily where they have to work two jobs and what, you know, like it's, it's, it's a travesty, I guess is what I would say. And what we hear, um, and I, this is really not political, it's economic, yeah. is, we, oh my God, Social Security, Medicare, we're gonna run out of money, right? We have a huge bulge in the boa constrictor right now. And that boa constrictor bulge has to be served unless we want seniors living on the streets or in tents Hmm. with no food. That's, I just don't see any other, you know, there's no other solution right now because there are regulations about how, you know, all that stuff that I just discussed. So we're going to have to spend more right now for the next 10, 15 years. But guess what? After that, our population is lower. Mm-hmm. So, so what we spend the money now, because we're going to spend less 15 years from now. No one talks about that. Wow. I don't know why no one actuarially has said, yeah, we're going to have a big bump in our, you know, spending because of seniors, but then it's just the boa, you know, none right. of us will get forever. I don't know how else to say that, but right. I, I I just, I don't know why the conversation doesn't continue after we're going to run out of money. We don't have to run out of money. We're a big con- country. We just don't have to run out of money. And right. yeah. you know, what's the alternative? I just don't know what that's going to look like. So housing and food and
0: money, biggest wow. problem. So yeah, we could have a lot of conversation about that. Um, okay. So let's talk about, so that's really good food for thought. Let's talk about some of the good things that are happening out there that you're seeing so what are some of the positive things that are happening um changing how we manage or think about our aging population again in the united states in terms of meeting needs or improving quality of life
1: oh there's a tremendous amount i mean you know when if people can get those basic services Mm -hmm. right like if we didn't have to worry about that so much there's a so much being done on a technological front to make Mm Um, it easier for people as they age to age in place, um, for sure. But also um, the recognition that there's a real psychological, uh, we were talking about this earlier, that it's physical and it's psychological. Mm -hmm. And um, the pandemic really ripped that wide open for seniors in particular. It's ripped it wide open for everybody. Loneliness is a terrible, um, terrible psychological problem for kids, for, you know, people. Um, but for seniors in particular, it's always been that way. Mm-hmm. And now the pandemic kind of ripped open the, the kimono on that. And and so people are, are really, there are many agencies and uh, uh, not-for-profits and people with the idea that, you know, to be able to live their best life seniors have to be engaged. And if they feel purposeful and all of those things stem around having a community somehow, some community somehow, you know, like, is it my church? Is it um, my gardening club? Is it three gardening clubs? Like whatever that looks like. And, and, and also health, you know, that's a really big positive being able to, a lot of people, once they really start to age and we consider old, old in the senior housing and senior care industry to be 80 and above that's, you know, up to then you're, just a senior. Um, so the old, old, you know, physically people just have less start to have less ability. Right. But there's so much recognition around that and programs and, uh, sit, again, city agencies, things that are sponsored by, um, governmental agencies that, um, are available to people. And so there's a lot more opportunity to live your best, best life, even under with less money, you know, that, that that's out there. Um, and uh, that's, that's exciting. There's a lot of exciting things going on in that, in that arena. And, you know, some of them are as simple as finding a, you know, they're allowing dogs, you know, in these small yeah. apartments or, or even fake dogs, again, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, where that people can communicate. I mean, it again, it's um, loneliness. is something that really is a, is a major uh, problem and it can, and it, there's a lot of solves out there right now.
0: Man, I'm with you on that. You know, we had a conversation uh, that really hit me hard because I've got my mom lives with us. And even though she's she has her own apartment, right? So it's on our property. And um, during the pandemic, she had some misdiagnosis that went on and, and she basically had to learn how to walk all over again. You know, it was just rough. I won't get into the details, but she's no longer able to drive which completely threw her world upside down. Um, you know, a woman that went to the park almost every day with uh, my dog, and, she, and actually we've got a dog for her now, so we have, we're have we a multi-dog family now. Uh, but anyway, she couldn't drive, which took away her one sense of independence. Even though we'd say we drive her, it still is different. And I gotta tell you, she went through, uh, it was, um, after we went through the pandemic. So there was a lot of isolation then. And she went through it like a trooper never got COVID because really nobody was going anywhere. She took a trip to go visit my sister in Portland past COVID. Everybody in that house caught COVID, including my mom. So she, after she was able to come back home, she was fine. But she was isolated for a long period of time and had almost like almost a mini breakdown mentally, right? It was so hard, she's perfectly fine now, but I can't say enough about even if people are within your own home, she talks about things like, when we have our big family dinners, a lot of people there, right? She has hearing issues and the younger people are congregating together, the middle-aged working people are congregating together and she feels she's kind of there, like they're polite, everybody says hi, But nobody sits down to have a deep conversation right so she's lonely in the midst of people, and I feel that you know it's something that. um, I am intentionally working to be aware of to come up with solutions and ideas to at least talk to her about in how we get her out of that feeling of isolation and, and figure out good solutions for how she can engage.
1: Well, as you know, we talked about my dad who had the, we had the exact same spirit experience, you know, we didn't have big family dinners, we didn't have a big family, but he also had been deaf from the war. I mean, not totally yeah. deaf, very hard of hearing. Um, he was a scientist, so he didn't have a lot of, um, interpersonal need in a way. Like, I don't know if say all scientists are like that, but he he was really a mind guy. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, uh, we just didn't know how isolated and alone he was. Yeah. So he stopped driving and, um, you know, that it just, it just exacerbated it. But again, he was finally through, um, uh, you know, this shattered leg uh, forced to go into, or not forced, but he needed to go into a place where they could a yeah. uh, deal with assistance with daily living. And, um, and, uh, it was a veteran's home and he had been a vet, he was a vet. And I will tell you that it put three years on his life. Wow. Just, to, you know, I mean, he wasn't like, Chatty but he, There was a, uh, a for him. He could go to services on Sunday in the building, and uh, of course, we picked him up and took him out to dinner from time to time. Not a you know a ton. We were both raising small kids, but we lived close enough by where we were visiting at least once a week. And one or the other of us, or both of us, my brother and I. And um but he was actually more interested in the people there. I mean, he <laughs> we came the kids, but like you know, like he had a, he ended up with a life. It wasn't exactly. But I will say. Um, Adult daycare is doing a lot better, and it's a terrible word for a good thing. Mm -hmm. There are places and spaces where seniors can go, and they are with other seniors who, uh, you know, and they do some interesting, engaging things. You know, Uh, there's one in New York City that um, I have the privilege of going to and sometimes doing some volunteer work at, and they do art projects and masks. I mean, it's not bingo. You know, it's really stuff that they want to do and work on. And they're of all skills and, and sizes and, you know, ages within a senior age range. But I will tell you what I see there between the people is that they can talk amongst themselves. They are with people. Oh,
0: nice. Yeah. You know,
1: they are with people who they really can have a deep conversation with. They can make yeah. a friendship. And even though your mom can't drive, one of the things that has been a huge um, actually I wouldn't have thought of this until you mentioned it, but actually it's been huge for people, um, is Uber and Lyft. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's not full independence, but you can call your own Uber or, yep. you know, learn how to manage that on your phone. And if you want to go to the adult day center three days a week, you do it, you know, and you figure it out. And, um, you know, it's it, some of it, a lot of it's Medicaid driven, um, Mm -hmm. Just because it it, it was considered to be just another kind of health service but I think that's shifting now. Um, I would encourage anyone who you know calls someplace and they say oh we only take Medicaid, go down there personally and say what can I do to contribute, can I make a donation every month so my mom can you know I would like my mom to come but I'm happy to make a donation. I know it. It, it sounds on unco- I go back to risk. Like, what's someone going to say? No. I, I did that with yeah. my kids when I had to get them into daycare for less than three thousand dollars a week or whatever it was in New York, you know. And I went to a place and they said, "Oh no, we're a Medicaid facility." And it wasn't a facility. It was a beautiful townhouse with fabulous teachers, and and they took them from six in the morning till like seven at night, which is what I needed. Yep. And I said, "How much? How much can I donate and see if my daughter can come?" And um, the woman was kind of shocked and uh, she said, (gasps) whatever she said, it was not $3,000 a day, whatever Montessori was charging. It was, I mean, I couldn't believe how little it was. I bumped it up. And I said, I will give this to you every month. And she used it completely. You could see she didn't take a dime of it. She used it completely to make this, you know, her, the, the daycare better. So she might've said no, but that needed a solution.
0: (laughs) Yep. Yeah that's fantastic being creative so huh i'm gonna i'm gonna like throw a little tip out there for people because my mom um in the state of georgia when we were looking at i was looking at different solutions for her around driving and you know she didn't like the uber lyft i don't know because then you gotta wait too long was her feedback she did it once but okay but there are a couple things going on. There are actually 15 rides. That's a lot. But My mom doesn't go out more than once a week. 15 one-way rides that the state will has covered for you. It's a dollar a commute, like one way. So that was one thing. But the other thing that we did explore for her that she's doing that has worked out really well for her, she wanted to be comfortable with the person who was there and have some consistency around that so I went out to next door that's it and I said okay here's what we're dealing with you know my mom is 84 she can no longer drive went from every day to not being able to go she really likes just one day a week she likes to go to Kroger my mom likes to go to thrift stores because she looks for certain things she has an ebay store and it's a successful one and I had a lot of responses that I never expected that were really great fits. And the, the person, my mom, when I shared it with her, I didn't tell her before, I just shared after. And she said, oh, do you mind if I call them to work out the relationship? Because she, knows she wants that sense of course of empowerment. I'm like, yes. So now there's a woman who's 70, retired, Had taken care of her mother in law for a few years, the same way that we're talking about, just drove her around for her groceries. They go get groceries. This woman gets her groceries while my mom is getting hers. You know, they, they, you know, because my mom said, don't follow me around. And the woman said, really? She's like, yeah, grocery shop or something. So now the woman grocery shops when my mom does. And she worked out a good solution for someone that, you know, understands what her needs are, her need for independence, and they've, you know, they're becoming friends. Right? So my mom pays her cuz she wants to pay her. Um it's very affordable, that works for my mom. The woman is, you know, doing something that fulfills her and it end up being a win-win. So I would say be creative on that stuff and ask within your community.
1: That is a phenomenal solution and um, you know, I, it also make sure go to the, go to what wherever you live and go to the S- center for aging services. Hey, no, yeah. no matter what, even if it's something, nothing that you need now, you'll find out what's available statewide. Like, I, I don't know that New York has that, but they may, I, I haven't been to the department of aging services here. I'm in New York. They have a ton of stuff, but um, hey. going back to you, start there and then get creative because what a phenomenal idea the other thing that right, yeah on this housing issue that people are just starting to do i live in an apartment so it's and i have rules because i'm in a co-op right so i can't do some of this and new york city can't unfortunately but as people age my kids are leaving the house hopefully sooner than later like <laughs> hope um they're still launching um which you know because of money these days it's hard particularly
0: taking longer but, to launch yeah
1: Um, but when they do, um, I, I don't know that I can have, actually, I don't think I can have an outside family member, but many people own homes and their kids leave. And, you know, I can speak for myself. I worked my whole life. I love my children. They were my, my world, except when they weren't, which was work, you know, and I traveled all the time for business. They're like, I was like, I was never home. Like, do you actually remember me? And they're like, you were never not home. So they remember how much I I literally lived on the road. So, but so I missed them when they were gone, when they, you know, when they're, when they finally did launch to a degree, they are, you know, they're in their mid, you know, early to mid twenties and they don't even living home. It's a very different relationship. And for a mom, "Mm -hmm." if I were somebody had that had a house, I might not do it today, but in another couple of years, maybe at 70 or 68, I would absolutely think about roommate situation. Wow. Even with my husband, I would say, is there someone out there that, you know, we can traverse with that yeah. maybe the next door or something for people who, someone who can't afford a rent of $3,000 a month because their right. social security check is, you know, yeah, I guess it's a bit of a risk. People get, you know, hurt, but if if people don't start doing things like that, yeah. Um, but it, you know, it also can satisfy the person who's doing it in a big way. And,
0: you know. Yeah, exactly. It's funny because my sisters and I and my best friend, we all have a pact that we'll live together, you know, if we need to, right? <laughs> but that's what we're going to do. Um, and we've talked about it for years, which I think is interesting. So I am a big fan of um, believing that anyone at any stage and age in life can have a good quality of life. For me, personally, I I'm not about you know living to a hundred and being ill but living to whatever age it is and i have you know what goals i want you know how i want to age so it's a quality of life and you know if you could say there were like three things i'm going to bring up the three things again that people could do later stage in life even right so i believe at any age you can improve your health and well-being or those of us that aren't as, you know, maybe we're middle-aged or younger, like what three things would you say would be great for them to think about, consider, and practice um, that could improve their whole quality of life?
1: Well, I think your dad has it nailed, but um, I'll say the three things. And certainly, you know, this is statistically proven in our industry, but it's what you talked about with your sisters and, you know, however that looks, build community. And it may not be your family and it may, or it may eventually not be your family. You have to have a community, whatever that looks like. It may be a bridge club. It may be, it may be a bridge club and a Mahjong club. I don't know, whatever, you know, whatever that looks like for people, if they can't work full-time or they can't work part-time or they can't, because, but the next thing would be purpose. You have to have purpose. It doesn't matter if it's one day a week going to the thrift store for your eBay store, that's purpose. If it's, um you know it depending on your physical ability your you know the, um people think oh i only want to live as long as i'm all together right like i have everything um life doesn't work that way mm. and old age doesn't work that way certainly yeah. um uh you know young people become my my husband's father was um very involved in the Americans with Disabilities Act. He was the guy who was handing oh, wow. George Bush Sr. the pen on the front page of the New York mm-hmm. Times when the ADA wow. was signed into law with his foot because he was born with no arms
0: wow. and um,
1: he could do everything. He had five beautiful sons. He had a wonderful wife and he wa- worked you know tirelessly until he passed away in his nineties um, for Americans with Disabilities. He was a minister, and uh, but that was really his main focus. Wrote a number of books and um, one was Greet the Man, which I love the title. It says it all, which is, you know, he used to always say, you are, uh, I am not disabled. We are all just temporarily abled. Wow. So how beautiful is that? You know, he he really you know, I knew him when I was a kid um, and I grew up with them and um, my husband and I didn't date that whole time. But, you know, I knew that we grew up in the same neighborhood. And um, yeah. the thing is, he was absolutely right. Like I've seen young people becoming incapacitated in certain ways and find their way through that or not. Um, but it's, again, I go back to mindset, you know, I I think people shouldn't close their mind to the idea that they can still have a full life. I have a very dear friend who's 70, who's has macular degeneration. She will be blind Mm -hmm. in another two years. It has been a really hard, tough, tough mental road, knowing that's going to happen, but also, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's a slow pace. And so things have keep getting taken away. Right. Um, but It's a mindset like her life is not going to end because she can't see. And luckily, she had found through a community, some people who are in their 90s who have lost their sight in their 70s and were able to re regroup uh, that loss and still have community purpose and, you know, and still have a very fulfilling life. Um, So I we just say people should keep an open mind. There's lots of ways to have community and purpose. Those are the two things so that loneliness is not the thing that's going to take you out because actually Mm -hmm. loneliness is is the biggest killer for old people. Literally, it it will take years off your life. And Mm -hmm. you can't find a way around that either through the Department of Aging Services or through some kind of home, you know, a home situation or, or the ability to have but you know, again, it's it's complicated today because we don't live in the same towns and villages as our parents. We live three thousand miles away, and it's 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 a more complicated um, scenario. But uh, and it's and it can be very time consuming, particularly as someone gets older, and and or if they have a, a illness or a terminal illness. Um, you always think you're ahead of it, ahead of the curve. Oh, I know. I, she can't see. I'm just going to get a big button phone and blah blah blah, and it's done. It's like one and done that is not the way aging works. It's not the way illness works. It's a constant. Okay. This works for today. You know, is there something I can do for tomorrow? And I I say this, like, it's a light situation. It is so challenging. And I would say the third thing is have caregivers who take care of themselves Mm. because most everybody has a family caregiver or two or three. And if your caregiver isn't taking care of themselves and you're not, um, you're not, allowing them to do that not because you're being mean or you're just scared or whatever you're gonna you're you're gonna put yourself in a position to be hurt and I don't mean physically I just um, mean people are gonna really yeah. resent that.
0: Wow those are, are great things um, for people to consider. Thank you so much for that Bailey. So I've got one last question for you okay I'd love to ask my guests. it's a little bit of a game. Um, so if you have all your wisdom and knowledge that you have today, You got it. Like, it's right there. Um, And now you're back in your 20s. What would you tell yourself? What would you do differently or not? Um, And what would you say that, you know, you would give yourself some advice that might make your life journey easier or different? Or would you say, I do nothing at all? So...
1: (laughs) Oh, I would have a long, (laughs) drawn-out talk. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess one of the things is... I was a planner. So whenever some something came up, particularly around people and places in work, like when somebody wouldn't return my call, it was a sales call, right? I had a partner who used to say to me, it's either because somebody died, they're getting a divorce or, you know, and inevitably that was the thing. And, it, and also, you know, if something, something big was about, you know, like I had to, whatever big thing was about to happen at work, I would think about plan A, plan B, plan C, and I would go to plan C. And inevitably, because things are iterative, you know, there's no one answer when you're starting a big a big question, right? Whether it's looking yeah. for another job or hoping to get the big contract or whatever that is. Um, it was always Z B combination of, or nothing I'd even thought of. So I would say to my 20-year-old self, just let the process unroll. You are smart enough and good enough that whatever the next thing that put the, you know, the next. Piece of information is in front of you. Yeah. You're going to put the puzzle together faster with less stress. P- that it w- I would just, my God, if any every because you know I see a lot. I, I did it. A lot of people, young and starting out, or even mid career, like I got to figure this out. I got to figure this out. Yeah, got to let go of figuring it out. It, you are smart enough and good enough. You will fi- you will figure it out better by just waiting for the next piece of information. The other thing I would say to my 20 year old self is I don't don't worry your life away. You mm-hmm. only have this one world. Don't worry your life away. I worried a lot of my life away, and i i I'm not proud of it. I'm not uh, but it's the truth. You know, I worried about everything. And, you know, I could have worried about ten percent of it, and the outcomes would have been no different. Worrying does not solve a problem. Um and I w- guess I would just say the third thing the third thing i w- I would say, um, is something I wouldn't have changed is just to your point, stay curious. Like nothing lasts someone. Again, I, I have no good wisdom. Everything I've heard is from other people. Is it going to matter five years from now?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: When I put that test against a lot of things, whether it's in my life or in my business, a lot of it falls by the wayside. Not really going to matter five years from now. So why am, why am I putting, why am I investing? I have only so much energy. I've got to invest it in the place that is going to give me the greatest return, whether that's in my home life, you know, my personal life, my you know, my work life, my revenue life, whatever that looks like, um, you know, I've got to expend. I've got to constantly be thinking about: is my energy going into the right place?
0: Period. Well, Bailey, thank you so much for sharing um, things from your heart, from your mind, things that you've learned. I really appreciate you being here today. I hope that you'll come back. And I do look forward to seeing you this fall at SMASH. It'll be really- I am exciting.
1: thrilled that you said yes. Thank you so much. And I am also looking forward to seeing you in the fall at SMASH. So thank you. And thank you for inviting me on this, this wonderful uh, podcast show. I don't know what they call it these days. But <laughs> thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And we'll talk soon. When you-